Chris Gowser here with Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt, once bitten, twice shy, Howell and I. That's my new thing. I like a little insert 80s song titles <laughs> as your uh, nickname. I, I, it hit me because I was listening to Smooth Operator the other day, and I'm like, you know who that reminds me of? That reminds me of Matt Howell. On this episode of The First Run, Matt and I are going to discuss the latest Pedro Almodovar Penelope Cruz team up that is Parallel Mothers. Then we're going to go ahead and jump over to the animated documentary, Flea. I know Matt always likes us to do a few more documentaries, so now he got his wish, and it's animated. Mm. And then, of course, in this week of subtitles, we'll then shift on over to the big releases on physical media featuring your streaming and straight-to-DVD picks of the week. And then Matt and I are going to go ahead and close out the show with the first part of our favorite films, of 2021 we'll be doing movies 10 through 6 this time what's going to make the cut we're going to have to listen on to find out but let's start everything off with a clip from parallel mothers estás casado no y tú yo no pues las dos somos madres solteras lo mío fue un accidente pero estoy tan contenta lo mío también fue un accidente Yo no me arrepiento, ¿eh? Yo sí. Pobre, no digas eso. Que todo va a salir bien, ya verás. No estás solita, ¿no? No, estoy con mi madre. Vale. Pero ella todavía no se ha hecho la idea. Pues ya se la hará. Indeed. Matt, why don't you tell the fine folks listening to this wonderful show, what is Parallel Mothers all about? It's about two women who are unexpectedly pregnant, and they are soon-to-be single mothers um, with very different circumstances, kind of meeting up with each other in the hospital and developing a bond between each other. Wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Matt, I'm going to admit something here. I think I've seen one other Almodovar film, mm-hmm. which I believe is Broken Embraces, I think. See, I'm not even sure. It's sad, really. Maybe that's what we need to do a marathon of this year is uh, throw in an Almodovar. Because uh, him and Cruz have done seven films now together. And we're looking for stuff to watch. This is a 2021 film, technically. So the offerings right now in the theaters Matt, it's pretty desolate things aren't looking too good right now mm-hmm. though i guess we have jackass coming up i guess which i've never seen a single jackassy thing Not so the show nope wow. never uh no i'm too i was too old for when that was a big thing plus i'm a bit of a chicken so i would you know this is not my not my thing. But what are your thoughts? I will ask you, how familiar are you with Almodovar's work? I'm looking at his uh, filmography, and I don't think I've seen a single one of these. <laughs> um, so Except when you said threw it out there, you're like, you're like, oh, it's the new Almodovar. What is it? Almodovar movie. I was like, okay. Like, like, am I supposed to be excited about that? And I was looking at this thing, and I was like, nope, I have not seen a single one of these films, although I've heard of some of these. Um, okay, so what's the question? What did I feel about this? Sure. What are your thoughts then on your first Almodovar film? Um, With the luminous Penelope Cruz. Yeah, um, it's fine. I wasn't blown away by this. I think it's a, you know, it's got this kind of uh, understated uh, feeling, you know, not only about the situation that the two characters find themselves in, but also kind of 
the sins and scars of the past with the Spanish uh, Civil War um, with Franco in the relatively recent past and how that affects the future and those around it um, today and how that still lingers and kind of putting those two things together. It's a quiet film. It's a relatively meditative film. Nothing really happens. And for all that, it's a little melodramatic for my taste. I think it's I think it's okay, but I wasn't blown away by my first experience of Almodovar. Almodovar. Yes. <laughs> Whatever. Good. Yeah, I know. I'm, I'm butchering <laughs> that guy's name. I'm sorry. I, I mean, ugh. so I think there's a lot going on in this film. Now, it's not some bombastic, you know... Uh, interpretation of what happened during the Spanish civil war and how it resonates to today dealing with the, the trauma and all that stuff, though it does, it does have, but it's not the focus of the film, right? Right. right. That is more the underpinnings of what's happening. And I think Moldover does kind of try and tie that stuff in together. But I think the core of the film is that it's a strong tale. I think about feminism and motherhood. And I found it to be a rather emotional experience. I think Cruz provides some really kind of truly emotional, riveting work in this film. I think Matt, she's strong. She's vulnerable. She gets crushed at times. She's very forgiving, loving. She's very open, warm, and determined. And I think there's a depth here that kind of wraps you up into the film and doesn't let you go. I mean, I was enraptured watching this thing and watching her performance in this movie. I think it's one of the best performances we've seen this year. And we've seen a lot of great stuff. Mm-hmm. We've had Agatha Rossell and Tatan, Renata, Re, Re, I know I can never nail this, Renat, Renat Renzve, so I guess, whatever. The, the young lady from uh, The Worst Person in the World. Kate Blanchett, Jodie Comer. Right, there's been a lot of great female performances in this year, and I think this ranks up right there with them. And uh, I think I do have some issues with the film. I think the emotional core of the movie about families and loss is interestingly paralleled, enjoy that pun, by a subplot focusing on the victims of the Spanish Civil War. But it's it has to set up some odd coincidences mm-hmm. that the film basically hangs itself on that could get a little eye-rolly at times. But I think in the end, I think the performances and the emotional depth relate to us, I think forgives the film's kind of rickety underpinnings. I really think that the relationship between uh, Penelope Cruz's Janice and uh, Melanie Smith's Anna is it's very complicated and watching these two kind of navigate their relationship and all of its ups and downs is really interesting and it's a fascinating film i rather enjoyed it i think i could, i gotta come up with a new phrase i think i say that a lot i rather enjoyed it <laughs> I, I rather enjoyed that i i was quite pleased by my viewing experience with this film yeah see i always struggle with these because as a middle-aged white guy in you know new england america um I always feel like, am I being like a misogynist if I don't like a feminist movie? Like if I don't connect with it? Mm-hmm. And, oh, yeah, sure. Yeah, sure. That's, and I don't know if that's a fair criticism. <laughs> um, but I mean, here's the thing. It does have some really solid performances. And, you know, I don't want to take anything away from the kind of what, especially Penelope Cruz, what she kind of puts forward in, in her performance. And I do think that there are some really, you know, see, strong scenes of like just um, real emotional heft in this, whether that's positive or negative. Yeah. Uh, but at the same time, like you said, it's very soapy. Um, it's very melodramatic. I wasn't blown away with this. And I guess it's hard for me to explain, but I just didn't connect with it. 
we'll talk about another movie at the end of this where I almost had an instant connection with it. Um, whereas this, it just kind of left me feeling kind of, okay, you know, that happened. I, I, and I, I guess it's fine. Like I said, it's an okay movie. It's fine, but it's not something I'll ever revisit. I mean, if this is your thing, I think you're going to enjoy this. But if you're, if this is outside of your wheelhouse, this is not going to win any new fans. I, I guess, but I've Matt. There are some truly gut punch moments in this film. I actually gasped and said out loud, "Oh no!" When one of the moments hit, when there's one of the you know the reveal <laughs> of right. one of the um, cast members. I guess I don't know. I want to. I don't want to spoil anything. But uh, I mean, really, it really popped me. I was really holy cow. That is that's horrifying, you know. And I don't know, Matt. I I, I seem to enjoy it a lot more than you did. I will say um, I should have been an anthropologist, I think is what I should have done. <laughs> but I, I, no, I think it's fascinating too. One of the things is how I love how, I don't know if this is more of a European culture thing, but everybody seems very fluid in, in regards to their relationships mm-hmm. and in their sexual partners and stuff. Right. And, uh, you know, I don't know. We're a little too puritanical here, right? I know. Well, I know, Matt. You're you're much more looser with that stuff, right? You guys uh, are. Uh, well, we won't. That's off. Here <laughs> nice, <time>. nice. <laughs> You'll notice though, all the Europeans that we do that we do see this uh, in these films are all, you know, current or former Catholic countries. So that should tell you something. You know, these centuries right. of repression is finally <laughs> kind of blowing out the lid off of it. So my, I, like I said, I thought Pearl Mothers was really interesting. It was really good. I do want to see more Almodovar films. I think I am lacking in a lot of his. He has some really critically acclaimed stuff, Matt. So mm. I need to get on that. I'll, I guess I'll add it to the list. Well, He's got one, two, three, four, five, six, seven Oscar nominations, two wins, mm. 12 Golden Globes, one win, 14 BAFTAs, five wins. So, uh, 117 Goya awards and 32 wins. So he's relatively well renowned. I mean, he Gail Garcia um, Banal, or well, I'm blank. I'm not messing his name. Basically, launched his career uh, from an Almodovar films. There's a lot of people. Penelope Cruz came up big through him as well. That's where she got a lot of her notoriety. So, I don't. know. I got some stuff I got to watch. Clearly, I'm going to give Parallel Mothers Matt a B plus. Yeah, I'm going to give it a B minus. Also, I think, you know, we need to come up with like some marathon ideas for 2022. And I think one of the ones we had thrown out there was director blind spots running through a few, you know, solid directors. And maybe this is one we consider for a marathon. Yeah, I think one of our stationary marathons annually should be some type of international cinema. I think we see a lot of more international films than a lot of other podcasts do. But I still think we could open up that exposure even a little more. I mean, I got that gorgeous Bergman box set sitting on my shelf right now, unopened for five years now. Well, I mean, that's pathetic. Five years, Chris, not even opened. Come on, man. Um, But I will say this. uh, Next week, uh, let's let's not with the subtitles if we can. Yeah, I think two in a (laughs) row, two in one show is a... Yeah, that's a lot. That is a lot. Though it's a low bar, I think, as Bong Joon-ho said. You know, it's uh, the two-inch barrier. So anyway, what are your thoughts on Parallel Mothers? Shoot us an email at feedback at thefirstrun.com. Coming up on physical media, Matt, this upcoming Tuesday, February 8th, could be could be the best film this duo has ever produced. I'm talking about ethics. You know I'm a sporting man. I like to lay the occasional bet, <laughs> but I ain't that sporting. 
when I fix a fight, say I uh, pay a three to one favor to throw a goddamn fight, I figure I got the right to expect that fight to go off at three to one. But every time I lay in bed with a son of a bitch, Bernie Birnbaum, before I know it, the odds is even up. Or worse, I'm betting on the short money. The sheeny knows I like short things. He's selling the information, I fixed the fight. Out of town money comes pouring in. The odds go straight to hell. I don't know who's selling to it. Maybe the Los Angeles combine. I don't know. The point is, Bernie ain't satisfied with the honest dollar he can make off the Vic. He ain't satisfied with the business I do on his book. He is selling tips on how I bet. And that means part of the payoff that should be riding on my hip is riding on someone else's. So, back we go to these questions. Friendship. Character. Ethics. The Coen Brothers' Miller's Crossing mat is being released by Criterion this upcoming Tuesday in a 2K restoration. A new conversation between the author Megan Abbott and the Coens about film noir and hard-boiled crime fiction. Some new interviews including Sonnenfeld, composer Carter Burwell, music editor Todd Casal, and more. New and archival interviews as well, including Gabriel Byrne, Marsha Gay Harden, John Polito, and John Turturro. Uh, I love Miller's Crossing, and I will definitely be upgrading to this Blu-ray when it comes out. What about you? Um, so I did get the... I do love Miller's Crossing, and I did, but I did get the Coen's like four-film Blu-ray set um, that came out a few years ago that has this in it, so I don't know if I'll upgrade it just because... I understand it's Criterion, and I understand that that's an excellent packaging, but it's also really expensive, so I think I'd have to wait for it to come down in price before I consider kind of sidestepping, side-grading, because it's not an upgrade. Well, it's a brand new 2K restoration, though. But uh, yeah, I have that same set, uh, but I think maybe when the 50% sale rolls around, I may do that. I do tend to reserve one of my Criterion purchases in the Barnes & Noble 50% off sale to upgrade something that I already Mm -hmm. have. Mm Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, you know, that's a good point. I do have that Blu-ray as well. But anyway, if you don't, folks, pick this up. Also coming up here, some new stuff, Matt. King Richard is getting its physical media release. Uh, includes a few making-of featurettes and some deleted scenes. A film that I enjoyed, I believe, much more than you did. Yeah, that's that's true. <laughs> a film that we both hated. Resident Evil Welcome to Raccoon City is being released. Oof. Includes a steel book with some picture cards if you want to get that version. Some making of featurettes included in that one. And that film is just abysmal. I don't even know <laughs> who that thing is for. I know it's supposed to be for the real fans because it replicates yeah. some stuff from the games. But yeah. I, I mean, I think uh, I think you heard it here, folks. I think that's our unequivocal worst movie of 2021. You're going to hear about what some of our favorites are, but that was the absolute worst movie we watched. I think so. I think that's fair. Uh, also come up, Disney's Encanto, which is supposed to be very good. I have mm. not seen. Have Me you neither. seen that one film? I that, have. That one film, Matt? Matt film? No, no. Um, I have not seen that film or that Matt film. Um, <laughs> duh. My daughter really wants to watch it, um, but we haven't caught up with it yet. But I, I do need to watch it. You'll have to report back when you do. Best Buy has an exclusive steel book. Includes eight special featurettes, uh, sing-along with the movie, some outtakes, and five deleted scenes. The Beatles Get Back, that documentary uh, that was on, is HBO Max, right? Um, is being mm. released as a set. It's a three-disc set. I have yet to watch this. I am not the hugest Beatles fan. Right. So I think at some point maybe I will, but I hear it's quite good. Did you get a chance to check it out? 
No, I, I haven't watched it. Um, I, it's one of those things that I mean, I'm, I'm, I will catch up with eventually, but I have no kind of urgency to go see it. Yeah. Uh, another film coming out is France, also known as On a Half Morning, starring Leah Sadeau, a celebrity journalist driving her busy career and personal life has her life overturned by a freak car accident. The Hunting Game, or sometimes it's called The Hating Game, is the actual title. Resolving to achieve professional success without compromising her ethics, Lucy embarks on a ruthless game of one-offsmanship against cold and efficient nemesis Joshua, a rivalry that is complicated by her growing attraction to him. It's kind of how this show came together. <laughs> Liver let die, though an outbreak of a virus, the human race has come near to extinction. Lone Wolf Nick and Reckless John wander the destroyed land following a map that a last chance for hope to a safer sanctuary. The DCU is releasing, I see the DC Animated Universe is releasing Catwoman Hunted. You're going to try and cash in on that, the Batman mm-hmm. hysteria that's about to grip this country. Follows Catwoman in an attempt to steal a priceless jewel. This puts her squarely in the crosshairs of both a powerful consortium of villains, Interpol, and Batwoman. I'm so happy I was able to nail consortium. Includes a uh, making a featurette in that one and a documentary on Catwoman. Season 2 of Stargirl is being released on physical media. This is where she joins the JSA. All 13 one-hour episodes are included as long as a gag reel and a making of featurette. You know, Matt... I have yet to watch any season of this show, and you think it'd be right in my wheelhouse because I love the JSA, mm-hmm. all the Golden Age heroes, but I haven't seen a single one. In fact, I bought the Swamp Thing series because I was going to be traveling for work at one point. Yeah. So I bought that first season because it's supposed to be really good, even though it right. didn't get picked up. And then my trip got canceled, so I never, <laughs> never watched it. <laughs> I got to check that out at some point. And we're talking about new to Blu-ray. We talked about the Miller's Crossing. Matt Shep Factory is releasing Summer School, the 80s air quotes classic featuring Mark Harmon, Kirstie Alley, Robin Thomas, Courtney Thorne-Smith, and Dean Cameron. I remember this thing used to run on HBO all the time, and I used to love this film. I have not seen it, though, probably in 30-plus years. Do you remember Summer School at all? No. I mean, the name rings a bell, but I don't ever remember seeing it. Fair. Includes a uh, brand new interview with actor Richard Stephen Horvitz called School's In For Summer. Audio commentary with the director Carl Reiner and actor Mark Harmon. That's right, folks. It's a Carl Reiner film. Paranoiac from Scream Factory is being released featuring Oliver Reed. Simon Ashby is a wealthy psychotic who is coddled by his aunt in the palatial mansion outside of London. One day, Ashby's long-lost brother mysteriously arrives at the house, Matt. But events prove that he is an imposter. Brand new 2K restoration from the original Interpositive, a brand new audio commentary, and some new interviews. Paramount is releasing the Chevy Chase Goldie Hawn film Foul Play. Kino Lorber is releasing 23 Angry Men. This is, I don't think that's right. I think we got a a miscopy here. I'm pretty sure it's still 12 Angry Men. (laughs) But this is the 1997 version by William Friedkin, featuring Courtney B. Vance, Ossie Davis, Armin Mueller-Stahl, Dorian Harwood, James Gandolfini, Tony Danza, Hume Cronin. McKelty Williamson, Edward James Olmos, William Peterson, Mary McConnell. So uh, I love 12 Angry Men, the original Sidney Lumet film. I think I saw this version once or twice, maybe, but not in a very long time. Includes both aspect ratios of the film, because I think it was originally on TV, but there's a theatrical ratio as well. You can watch either one. Kino's also releasing The Antichrist. No, not the one that Matt loves. This is the one from (laughs) 1974. Epolita is a paralyzed young woman with a serious mental problem stemming from the death of her mother, Matt. 
Her crisis of faith and the intervention of a well-meaning psychologist lead Apolita to remember her past life as a witch during the Inquisition. A brand new 4K restoration completed by Studio Canal. A new audio commentary is included on that and more. Warner Archive is releasing Gold Diggers from 1933 with a brand new restoration. They're also releasing God's Gun from 76. This is a Lee Van Cleef, Jack Palance film with a brand new 2K restoration of that one. Dark Forest Entertainment is releasing a couple films, Blank Generation from 1980 and Ride the Hot Wind from 71. There is a Santo collection map being released. This is Santo and Mascarado del Plata. These are the films from 1963 to 1974, including Santo and the Wax Museum, Santo and the Treasure of Dracula, Santo vs. the Riders of Terror, Santo in The Vengeance of the Mummy, Santo vs. Frankenstein's Daughter, Santo and Blue Demon vs. Dracula and the Wolfman, Santa and Blue Demon vs. Dr. Frankenstein, and then Santo and Mantequila Napalaz in The Revenge of La Llorona. This, of course, is that Mexican wrestling star that did all this, this run of movies for decades. A bunch of features in this one, including the history of the Cardona family and Mexican cinema. Full Moon is releasing Remote from 1993, as well as Dragon World from 1994. MVD is releasing Ghost Riders, about an outlaw gang hanged by a posse in the late 1880s that comes back from the grave to terrorize the descendants of the posse's leader. You get some new audio commentaries and featurettes on that one. MVD is also releasing Liar's Moon, featuring Matt Dillon. Digging to China, featuring Evan Rachel Wood. Baja, also known as Amnesia, is being released as well. It stars Molly Ringwald, Danal Logue, Chris Shear, Nelson Lyon, and Michael Nichols. Amnesia, featuring Ali Sheedy and Nicholas Walker. The Laughing Woman is being released by Mondo Macabro with a brand new 4K restoration. They're also releasing Succubus with a 4K restoration as well. And School of Death as well gets a 4K restoration. Josie the Tiger and the Fish is coming out, Matt, with Dreams of Diving Abroad. Suneo gets a job assisting Jose, an artist whose imagination takes her far beyond her wheelchair. But when the tides turn against them, they push each other to places they never thought possible and inspire a love fit for a storybook. Speaking of love, Troma is releasing Snurf Nazis Must Die on Blu-ray. Includes a new wave intro by Lloyd Kaufman, deleted scenes, and more. Your UHD releases this week. The classic Some Like It Hot featuring Jack Lemmon, Tony Curtis, and Marilyn Monroe is being released with a previously completed 4K restoration of the film, a new audio commentary, and more. And then La La Land, Matt, is getting a steelbook from Best Buy, if you are so inclined. Straight to DVD Pick of the Week. You know, I said I was going to keep doing this, but this is just kind of depressing me now. Apex featuring Bruce Willis and Neil McDonough is coming out. Five elite hunters pay to hunt down a man on a deserted island only to find themselves becoming the prey. I just don't... I don't know if I want to just keep doing these Bruce Willis movies every week. <laughs> I can't believe he's putting out that much content. Well, I think he makes like a million or something per. He shows up for basically a day's work and goes home. Yeah. So what should we be streaming this week? Hopefully something not... From Bruce Willis from the past 10 years. No, it's not. So I've got two recommendations. If you're in the mood for a uh, film, since this is a film podcast, Nobody, starting Bob Odenkirk, is available on HBO Max, where he does his best John Wick impression. And I quite enjoy it. I think I liked it a lot more than Chris did, but um, I think we both had a pretty good time with it. Yeah, yeah, I enjoyed it. I picked it up. I think the 4K went down to like 10 bucks or something. Mm -hmm. So I, I did grab it. I, I, part of me really wants to hear that Bob Odenkirk commentary yeah. on that film. 
So uh, yeah, no, I enjoyed it, but I think I think the ending kind of falls apart for me. Mm-hmm. But uh, outside of that, I think there's a lot to enjoy. So that's a good pick, Matt. Matt, I want a quick question for you. I've been thinking about this lately, and I don't know if it's just me. I'm curious if you feel the same way. If it's just still kind of COVID hangover stuff, I don't know. I feel like there's no energy for the Batman film. I agree. Um, it seems weird. It seems like people aren't super excited to see it. Like you don't feel the same energy. Well, to be honest with the Marvel movies, the only one people seem to be really excited about before it came out was was No Way Home. Yeah. I mean, people weren't even super excited for Shang-Chi. The Eternals certainly are Black Widow. I think people ended up really liking Shang-Chi after it came out, but I think beforehand, I don't feel like there was a lot of buzz for it. Yeah, I don't know what it is. Even myself, the huge Batman fan that I am, I like a lot of Matt Reeves' films. I thought... Pattinson was an inspired choice, mm-hmm. you know. I like, but part of me is like, now I don't want 1960s Adam West Batman, but this tortured, troubled, dark Batman thing. I I need some different perspective. I need some new shade in the character. Now maybe Reeves will give us that. Right. I don't know. So we'll have to see what happens. It's only you know we're basically what just over a month away, but it's it's a weird thing where I don't feel like I have this. Like, there's no sensation for this thing. There's no grab for it. I know Little Caesars has its bat pizza calzone thing, but <laughs> that's not, uh, I don't know what it is. I don't know what it is. It's just, I, it's not in the air. Sometimes you get this feeling, this vibe with stuff, and I, I'm not feeling it. Now, maybe it'll pick up in the next couple of weeks. I don't know. Yeah. I mean, well, A, thanks, Frank Miller, uh, you crazy bastard for inflicting this Batman on us. But B, I mean, mm. yeah, I mean, in a few weeks after we haven't really watched anything because we are we are in the first quarter doldrums right now where there's like nothing coming out, I think we'll be pretty excited to at least see something that we hope will entertain us. Yeah, I did throw some stuff in the calendar, folks. So a rough Matt and I are going to get together and kind of flesh out the calendar, but I did do a rough kind of toss some stuff in there and it's not looking good for quite a while. Yeah. So we'll have yeah. to see what happens with all of that. In the meantime, Matt, let's spend a few minutes and uh, talk about... I keep wanting to call it Fled. <laughs> I know you're a huge fan of that Lawrence Fishburne, Stephen Baldwin film. But no, folks. It's a documentary called Flea. I'm so for So now that's basically the very opening of the film, Flea, with a uh, gentleman named... I'm in Nawabi, though not his real name, because we need to protect his identity. He's being interviewed for, uh, by his college friend, making this documentary, this animated documentary film about his story as a young child, uh, as a refugee fleeing from war-torn Afghanistan and how he ends up basically in Denmark. And, man, I know you like us to do, do- wish we did more documentaries, and I'm always kind of like, well, how much can he really talk about a documentary? But I think this is an unusual case, because... 
there's an this is an animated film as well. So there's an extra level, I think, of artistry with this film that kind of elevates it above your standard, you know, um, people talking at a camera documentary with some reenactments. So what are your thoughts on Flea? How did you in I don't know if you enjoy how did you experience this film and how do you define the word home as the film opens up which i think is a fascinating first question yeah i mean i guess to answer the last question first is uh i guess home is wherever you feel like you belong right so Mm. this man who has been searching for a home and for so long i think it's very telling he he slips in while he's talking to his friend and they're looking out over the city of copenhagen and denmark he says he's going to America to, to you know, continue his doctoral studies or whatever. And he says, oh, well, I got to come back home, meaning Denmark, in a few months or whatever. So obviously he's come to the, the conclusion that this place in Copenhagen where he's ended up is where home is. And honestly, this whole thing is just um, – is just quietly powerful because, you know, we take it for granted of having a relatively simple life. And especially with the things that are going on today, I always think about, you know, people are always like, oh, well, it could never happen here. Stuff like that. You know, you're overreacting when you look at some of this stuff. And it's like, yeah, nobody ever really thinks that those things are going to happen in their country. But look how often it does happen. It happens a lot. And... Honestly, on a long enough timeline, it's going to happen where you live. It's just a matter of whether you're still around when it does happen. So, I mean, just even just kind of seeing the kind of, you know, occupied communist, you know, Soviet Afghanistan, the kind of collapse of Afghanistan, the rise of the Taliban being struggled over to another collapsing society in post-Soviet Russia and the kind of pains they went through before they became the, you know, authoritarian autocracy that they are today. And just kind of all of that, that struggle to kind of, you know, fight against the worst impulses of humanity and come out okay on the other side, or is about as okay as you can, is I think is just an incredibly poignant and timely story. I think you're right. I think the animation where they, they put in to kind of hide this person's identity is an inspired choice. And even some of the kind of more artistic uh, ideas about kind of re filling in the blanks that you normally wouldn't be able to see, you know, through an animated recreation, it's not as jarring as you do get in some, you know, documentaries because the whole thing is that way. And it, it gives it kind of like this weird dreamlike type of, you know, experience. And I, I, I thought it was excellent. No, I, I agree with you. I think that animation adds this kind of effortlessness and breeziness to it, even though we're dealing with very hard subject, but the film flows beautifully, I think, because of it. Because we're relaying some truly terrifying and horrific events, right? And we do get intercut kind of vintage news reports to kind of ground us at times as well. But then you think about, like you said in your opening there, how... Countries like Afghanistan, Iran, the same way Iraq, you know, they were kind of more, how do you put this, more Western, Mm -hmm. I guess, right, at one point. And then through some machinations, sometimes internal strife and civil war, a lot of times instigated by outside powers, us being one of them, things can really just kind of collapse 
And I think that one of the more interesting things about this film, Matt, is it deals with some really weighty, complex subjects, but it doesn't politicize them, right? Mm -hmm. It doesn't really have a political point of view where it's more just relaying this harrowing story of this young man and his family trying to survive and all the secrets that they have to keep in order to do that. And it is just... It's riveting viewing. It's harrowing. Like I said, I, I, I don't know. To endure what he does, Matt, while hiding who he is, I can't imagine. I mean, I think about how some, how upset I get on the minorest inconveniences in my life, you know? <laughs> and then to, to see that some, what people have to endure, it's just incredible. Now, I don't want to say, too, this. I will say this film has one of the more truly joyful moments I've seen in any film in all of 2020, all year. Mm-hmm. The whole year, there's this one scene where he gets to socialize with people, right? It is just, I was beaming, Matt. I had the big smile on my face, and it was like a pressure valve had been let off, right? Sure. And uh, But the rest of the film, though, it's too... And it's, I don't want to say, it's not... It's not a pressure-filled dark movie where you're going to be depressed watching this. It's more just, I think you're engrossed with the tale and you, I, and I think it's so incredibly how well, so incredible at the film it, with the documentary and its animated status is how well it brings you into the story and how well, how well you get engaged with it. It's masterful stuff. It's really impressive how it's all put together. Um, yeah, it's, it's great. Yeah. I mean, and, and it's, you know, it's, it's all, like I said, it, it makes it all the more poignant to think about all, all the places that this same drama with less happy endings are playing out all mm-hmm. across every day. Um, I mean, just think of what's going on with China and the Uyghurs and all that kind of stuff. And you even think about it's much smaller scale, but it seems like, you know, even now with like Texas banning books and trying to like suppress things like, you know, all these LGBTQ books in high school and banning things like to kill a mockingbird and because of the, because they don't want to like face up to the, the racism that was in it. And in 1984 and in, in Fahrenheit 451, which the iron in me is, I'm sure not as completely lost on them. Those type of things are the type of things that like the Taliban did, right? We don't think that something like that could happen here, but it's like these little it's like, it's not like usually like a big takeover at first. It's like these little chipping away at what you have and like these things that you, you kind of take for granted and you think of, okay, well, that's Texas. So I'm not going to worry about that. That couldn't happen here, but I don't know, man. It's, it's just, just to kind of see all this stuff happen and just know that it's still happening. And it's just, it's just, I think it's a film people should watch. I think it's fantastic. Yeah. When societies collapse, most of the time it's incremental. Yeah. It's one little thing here, it's one little thing there, and then the next thing you know, you look back and you can see the path, but it's too late. Yeah. I mean, you think what's see what's happening here in Florida, where they're going to attempt to pass a bill where the, you can't make people uncomfortable by teaching subjects. Yeah. I've heard for 10 plus years, Matt, about safe spaces and snowflakes. Right. And I have a Republican-dominated state, House, Congress, governor, who are going to pass a law to not teach certain things because we don't want people to feel uncomfortable. And I, all right. Anyway. So what does that mean? Like teaching slavery, like teaching about civil rights stuff. It's all CRT bullshit. Yeah. It's, it's all that stuff. 
I was watching something and again, we're going off topic here, but it just reminds me of, I was like a two or three years ago when they were, when all that stuff was really blowing up, like some dad in Texas was at a school board meeting and he didn't want that stuff taught to his children because he didn't want them to have a bad view of America and be challenged on the fact of American exceptionalism. And it's like, that is insane. Like that is crazy. I don't know. It's we're, we're going to hell in a handbag. So guys, you know, it's bad. I don't see. I, I never understood that that concept because that's how you learn and that's how you improve. The country is an experiment. Or the whole point of it is to make a more perfect union. Right. To continue to learn, to continue to improve. It's okay to acknowledge the horrible shit that we've done, yeah. so that we can make sure it doesn't happen again. It's yeah. nothing to feel guilty about. That's not what it's about. It's about education and understanding and empathy. That's all it is. So anyway. Flea, Matt. It's a documentary <laughs> we watched, which is wonderful. It is currently playing in theaters. It is available on demand as well. I'm giving Flea an A. Uh, I am giving Flea an A as well. I think it is a. It's one of the best films that I think we've watched um, in a long time. Incredible stuff, man. I hate to bring it down to this, but I'm curious. I think this is a real shot here at a triple threat at the Oscars. Animated film, documentary, international feature. Mm, Potentially yeah. maybe four with a Best Picture nomination. I think it's yeah. that good. What do you think? Is it a chance for the, for the, uh, the, what do you call it there, the hat trick? If not the, yeah, the, what I, would the four one be a boot trick? What do you do when there's, I don't know what, I have no idea what it is. I don't watch hockey that much. Yeah. Um, I guess, uh, yeah, I, I think it'd be unlikely for it to win Best Picture if it wins any of those other ones, but I think it's pretty solid that it could win all of those. Um, I'm just talking nominations. I think oh, yeah. Get four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think, it could, I think it could definitely get all four. 2021 was better than 2020, but it was not a particularly solid year. Hmm. Which is interesting. We'll talk about that in a minute. But yeah. yeah. So, fair enough. Yeah, it's really, folks, it's that good, though. Well, I don't want to get ahead of myself. So what are your thoughts on Flea? Why don't you go ahead and shoot us an email, feedback at thefirstrun.com. Matt, it's time. We push it off as long as we can because there's so much stuff we don't get a chance to see. And I really feel this year was a rough year. I have a list of like over a dozen movies I still want to watch. Mm. But it's February. We can't hold off. So we're going to do, we're going to start our top 10 of 2021, 10 through 6. And that begins now. So you haven't ever thought to? What? I'm asking if you ever thought of passing, Rena. No, why should I? I mean, for convenience, occasionally, I suppose, but no. I just mean I have everything I've ever wanted. Except perhaps a little more money. Of course, that's all anybody ever wants. A little more money. Money's an awfully nice thing to have. In fact, all things considered, I think it's entirely worth the price. So that is Ruth Nega and Tessa Thompson in Rebecca Hall's Passing. She wrote and directed the film, currently available on Netflix. Matt, it's very, very good. Mm. And based off of Rebecca Hall's, I guess, part, generally kind of her story, her, her mother was black, I guess, and was able to pass as white, mm. uh, which I did not know. So that's how she she pulled some of that information for her film. This is currently on Netflix. Really interesting film. I rather enjoyed it. 
Uh, you can check that out. Obviously, didn't make my list of the top 10 films of the year. So we're going to do 10 through 6. But here, look. Here's some of the stuff I have not seen, Matt, that I intend to catch up with at some point. Are you ready? Yeah. Sundown, Mass, Coda, Tick, Tick, Boom, Days, The Souvenir Part 2, Bergman Island, Annette, Will of Fortune and Fantasy, Bad Luck Banging or Looney Porn. I, I've heard it's actually good. The Card Counter, A Hero, Red Rocket, Petite Maman, The Lost Daughter, Old Henry, and Novice. All of those films I hear are fantastic and I have not seen them yet. Okay. So I do want to check them out at some point. Yeah. I think uh, most of those I haven't really heard of, <laughs> but I do want to see Red Rock for sure. Cause I, I, one of my many, you know, like to torture Chris with his rec- not watching his recommendations. I was wrong on one. It was Florida project. I finally ended up catching it, but uh, that's the one time it's going to happen. Chris, I'm going to keep torturing you on everything else. I'm assuming you've watched the last cut of the dead by now too, no, right? Yeah. yeah, no, no, I haven't. No. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I like both. I've seen, I think, two Sean Baker films so far, Tangerine and then The Florida Project, and I love them both as well. So I am keen to catch up with Red Rocket, too. Yeah. All right, Matt. I'll guess I'll I'll go first this week. You go first next week, and we'll start everything off. Here's what I can't decide. Yeah. My list has kind of been in flux. I think last year has been a very, very good year for film. Much, Much better, I think, than the prior year was. Yeah. And I have two films in this slot right now, and I keep going back and forth on them. They're both documentaries, and I still don't know what to do. I have Summer of Soul, mm-hmm. which was directed by Questlove, which focused on the Harlem Cultural Festival from yep. 1969. It was aired on television once and then sat basically in a room for 50 years, and he was able to restore the footage and put it together. It features old interviews, new interviews, Stunning work featuring uh, like Stevie Wonder and Nina Simone, um, Sly and the Family Stone, just a lot, Gladys Knight and the Pips, lots of legendary uh, black artists. So, and it, it's wonderful. I mean, and you're transported back to this, t- this really important time uh, in the late 60s and the impact that this festival had that has basically just been whitewashed from history that you never, nobody even talks about anymore. And it is a stunning documentary, and I highly recommend it. It's wonderful. But I also might have Flea in this this mm-hmm. category here, too. I can't mm-hmm. decide what to do. I'm leaning towards Summer of Soul because of the impact it should have and had here in the United States and what it represented to this country that has since been forgotten. But, yeah, I don't know. So that's, I guess if I had to choose one, I might go Summer of Soul right now. Ask me tomorrow. I'll go with Flea. I don't know. So I guess that's my first cheat and only cheat, I guess, of my entire list. That's my number 10. So I went through the the report card. I had five A films. Um, so that was convenient. One through five for that. Um, and then I had um, six A- minus films. But looking at it, some of those A- minus films were, I don't, I don't know if I would give them an A- minus today. Um, I think one of those is mm. Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar, which also yeah. was an A minus film for you as well. So yes. if you had any integrity, it would fit on your list. But I, I did not. So my first entry, I actually gave a B plus um, to. This is not one of my A minus films, but the more I think about it, the more I like it. It is the film who I'm blanking on the director's name, Lamb, um, about it's kind of like this weird Nordic beast fable mm-hmm. with Numi Rapace where. 
they have a human sheep hybrid and they raise it as their own. It's a very strange meditation on parenting, on what it means to have a family and just this really strange, cold Nordic backdrop that um, just kind of sits with me for some reason. So that's my number 10. Wham. Yeah. So I don't, I don't know if we've ever really talked about this or expressed it, but my favorite films list isn't necessarily like my A report card list. Mm. And like you, my grades and thoughts kind of change over time. Sure. Right? So looking back, when we record this show, these are my 10 favorite films from the past year. Ignore the grades. That's kind of how I look at it. All right? (laughs) That's why he's going to come out with a, he's going to come out with a number five that he gave like a C. Two. Exactly. <laughs> so uh, numbers nine through six are no time to die. No, um, it's going to be my number nine is uh, here's one, too. It's one that when I first watched it, I thought, Matt, I was a little underwhelmed by, though I thought it was really good. And the more I've thought about it, the more I have enjoyed it. I went back and forth on buying it. And again, it got super cheap, so I did. And I rewatched it since then, and I liked it even more since. And that's David Lowry's The Green Knight. Mm. This um, interpretation of the tale of, how do you say it, Gawain? Gawain? It's Gawain, right? I think it's Gawain, yeah. The Knight of the Round Table. And his quest to basically become a knight, to become a man, to become everything he's always wanted to be as he runs afoul of this magical um green knight where mm-hmm. he has to go fight him at a certain appointed date and things may or may not go too well for him but um really a gorgeous film stunning imagery dev patel shines as galwin as well alicia vikander plays two roles really interesting stuff i don't know i just the more i thought about it the more i've enjoyed the green knight matt so i made up my number nine okay um, so my number nine is another bit of a bummer around family and, uh, it has two excellent performances and I did check this was released in the United States in 2021. So this counts it's Florian Zeller's the father starring, um, Olivia Coleman and Anthony Hopkins, where Olivia Coleman is taking care of her aging father who is slowly descending into dementia and the kind of strains it's putting on to her relationships and also the kind of sorrow she sees as losing this man who I guess she loves and looks up to who's disappearing in the, in the throes of his illness. It's a bleak look at times, but it's also, you know, very poignant. And I think I would understand if people don't want to watch it again. I don't know how often I would want to watch it again, but I think it is a fantastic film. So, Where'd you find it online? Did it because everywhere I look at it, it says it's a 2020 film. Uh, the Wikipedia release date is June is J- January 2021 in the USA. Because Google listed it as a 21 2020 film. Wikipedia listed it as 2020 because uh, oh because uh, well no they have Sundance at 2020, but I don't count the festival premieres. I count the wide releases, and it's they only have France and well whatever. Do what yeah, you do. It's your list. I mean uh, I mean according to this, it's. Googling it, it's release date in the USA, February 26, 2021. Oh, I see. Yeah, we're supposed to have a picture. All right. I wonder why that's a 2020 film, but one film up in my list that we'll talk about next week is not a 2020 film. Interesting. Mm. My number eight, then, is another film that has just hit HBO Max, Matt. Okay. And this is one that just sticks with me because of its, its design. 
Its production design is stunning. It is a dark, dark film noir tale that I have just grown to love more and more, and that is Guillermo del Toro's Nightmare Alley. Mm. Currently right now, it dropped on HBO Max, I believe, yesterday, and is getting a limited release in black and white, actually, right now, though unfortunately nowhere near me. But Bradley Cooper stars as the mentalist in this carnival who basically gets a little too big for his own britches and faces a startling fall. Uh, Kate Blanchett doing her best Veronica Lake, probably one of the best film noir performances by a femme fatale in the past 50, 60 years. And it is just a gorgeous, subtly terrifying film. And I love it. So that's my number eight, Nightmare Alley. Okay. Um, so what am I on? I'm on number eight. Um, so my number eight is um, a film that I'm positive will make Chris's list, although I'm not sure sure where it's going to land. But that is um, Michael Sarnowski's Pig starring Nicolas Cage. He basically is a truffle hunter who lives out in the middle of the wilderness and his, his prized truffle pig is stolen because truffles are incredibly expensive. Um, and it turns out that he has a past in Portland as he goes searching for it. And what's kind of revealed and is pulled out of it in the performance that Cage gives is, is just fantastic. And Alex Wolf is also quite good as well as uh, Amir, his kind of agent uh, buddy. I think it's probably the biggest of the, you know, I guess acting showcases of, on my list. Um, and I think it's probably one of the most solid ones of the year. Yeah. Okay. My number <laughs> seven, then. A lot of times, Matt, people complain. They complain that there are no original ideas in the horror genre. Mm. We just keep seeing sequels and reboots and requels of all of this stuff over and over again. But once in a while, a particular director with a unique vision comes along and presents us with a film like my number seven mm. malignant one of the most fascinating and fun trips to the cinema i have had since probably it follows mm. it is a blast of a movie terrifying and insane and it is just a wonder and a joy to behold I will not say anything more if you haven't seen Malignant. I think it is on HBO Max again now, I believe. Uh, but if you haven't watched it, run out or you know turn on your HBO right now and check it out. Actually, no, don't make sure it's dark. Yeah. Make sure you're home alone at night and it's dark. Yeah. And pop up Malignant. Have a drink. Whatever your preferred alcohol is, sit back and just let the madness wash over you. Yeah. And Malignant is a good one, but Malignant is a whiplash of a movie that has a lot of tonal shifts, a lot of uh, of uh, shifts in it that are good. But it is it is a it is a crazy film. It takes a certain kind of person to watch it. My number seven is also a horror movie. Again, I had to make sure this fit our criteria um, because this was released again January twenty twenty one. Although it was made several years before, it is Rose Glass's uh, Saint Maud, um, mm. which is a really, really unsettling look of kind of religious fervor and this idea of, of a possession film or maybe a possession film and just the kind of stuff that this kind of flagellant person in Maud goes through is just, it just makes your skin crawl. And it just, I love how it just kind of keeps you guessing as to far as what's really happening um, and what is the truth and what is she really seeing? And it's got a gut punch of an ending that'll stick with you. 
Absolutely. Man, there are some truly terrifying moments in that film. Oh, dear God, just thinking about it. And then, like you said, that ending. Yeah, I did, I did buy that. I think got down to like eight bucks at Target at one point, so I mm-hmm. jumped all over it. Yeah. So uh, my number six, then, to close it out, is a film we just did for the show a little while ago, and that is the most recent adaptation, The Tragedy of Macbeth. Mm. This Joel Cohen, German expressionistic view of this film in the old English, featuring Denzel Washington and Francis McDormand. Uh, but it is a sight. It is one of the most visually striking films of the past year. And I was just really, I loved every minute of this thing. Uh, if you have not seen it, I can't recommend it enough. It, it will be, it's on a, um, Apple Plus right now, Apple TV Plus right now, so you can check it out. But just a riveting retelling of the story of Macbeth through the stark sets very very minimalistic mat but just towering and intimidating um shot in black and white with the like what a four by three aspect ratio so everything feels much more confined and tight Mm. and denzel turns in some of his best work in years so um yeah that's my six all right well my number six i don't know if it's gonna meet uh on chris's list but i think this is one of the few films that I watched like three or four times um, this year. I've, I've seen it multiple, multiple times. And that's uh, Denis Villeneuve's version of Dune. I think it was a bit divisive. I think for the casual person, I don't know if it's really what all they were looking for, but the thing is just absolutely gorgeous. The performances are pretty solid. And honestly, as a fan of the source material, I think it's probably the best adaption we could have gotten. I'm glad it did mm-hmm. well enough to where we're going to get the second half of this so we can see how this at least piece of the story ends. And I don't I don't know if it'll happen. I would be really curious to see how people react to how the rest of the story plays out beyond the first book. But it is, as far as what it is and how it looks and just what he was able to pull out of that that source book, that is incredibly dense i think it is an achievement for uh sci-fi this year there you go that is a great pick all right matt that's it that's 10 through six Mm -hmm. five through one you're gonna have to wait till next week folks we uh will come back then to uh lay out the rest of the truth the rest (laughs) of everything you need to know right what are some of your favorite films from the past year shoot us an email at feedback at the first run.com Coming up next week, Matt, I do have it plotted out. We'll have to see. I really think this is kind of fitting because not only will we be doing our final five favorite films of the year for last year, mm-hmm. but I think we double that with two supposedly really bad films. I think okay. it'd be a lot of fun. Okay. So I have Moonfall. Oh. And just for you, wait for it, House of Gucci, which oh. is getting its digital release. Oh, swell five you know what you will not let this house of gucci thing go go away so i'm gonna watch this and i'm gonna be mad about it but i'm gonna watch it (laughs) good times in the meantime check us out on youtube twitter instagram facebook do a search for the first run scroll 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 head over to apple Podcasts and give us a review it'll help other people find the show and uh i guess matt that's gonna be it this week everybody take care of yourselves we love you very much get vaccinated get boosted we'll see you all soon take care Mom told me that my biological mother died during my birth. Sydney, I'm adopted. <laughs>